You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. And alhamdulillah, truthful news coming to you on the platforms of uh, Marcus Sahaba, the voice of the Al-Sunnah al Jamaah, and uh, joined by one of the finest uh, producers in the Islamic media, none other than Muhammad Ayaz Karim, well-known in many platforms and someone that I embrace and celebrate for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, once again, welcome him and the listeners of Marcus Sahaba with a hearty Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, Muhammad Ayaz, how are you doing this fine, a beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, um, I mean, you know, December, it's supposed to be that time of the year where we're taking it easy and relaxing. But um, as I'm sure you are fully aware, radio never stops. So <laughs> for us, the grind just continues. And to be honest, I think it actually is a lot more difficult because... Um, understandably, most people have taken leave or are on holiday or are trying to take some sort of break, you know. So um, when you're calling people to do an interview in the morning or the afternoon or wherever it may be, 99% of the time they're like, ah, oh, sorry, I'm on leave. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I do get it. It's just, um, it's part of the, I guess it's part of the, the game that we are part of. Uh, Muhammad Ayaz, I well said, you know, because on my breakfast show on another platform, uh, the engineer decided uh, to you know, take a break. I said, okay, where do you want to come back? He said, let's go up. We'll come back on the 8th of January. Believe it or not, Muhammad Ayaz, um, 90% of my guests, you know, who are regular on the show, they actually right. got depression. They got depression. They said, oh, come on, man. Are you serious, man? I said, I didn't know what to tell them. I said, you know, first time in my life I've come across people <laughs> so dedicated to a, you know, to a program and they like gone in depression mode. So I found the, uh, you know, the, the, the engineer and I said, you know what's happened? He said, so when you want to come back? I said, hey, we do a kiddie segment in the beginning. So, you know, all, all need a break. So, I mean, this is it. Some people are so dedicated. Do people ever, you know, or guess, do they become addicted to radio uh, you know, or being radio guest, uh, Muhammad Ayaz. You know, I also, I have uh, certain, I guess, certain guests who I gravitate towards because um, I just feel like they always give me the best insights. So, but I mean, I always try to keep it um, varied and different and try to look for new opinions. But I mean, you know, uh, the the more you build up a database and the more you get used to certain people, you know, because at the end of the day, it's always a gamble. You might have somebody who is extremely educated on a topic, but they aren't necessarily the most eloquent or um, comfortable person on air. And if it doesn't translate to the audience, you must remember, you can have a PhD in botany, and we could be talking about gardening, but that uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to translate to the listener, you know, who has no idea of what you're talking about. There needs to be um, a way of speaking and also like... I, I, I mean, I know, I know, I know. You understand what I'm talking about because, and it's, and it's no insult to anybody because not uh, speaking publicly is obviously not for everybody, and not everybody is comfortable with it. But um, I, I always tend to uh, gravitate towards the ones who I know have done radio more regularly or who I have experience with public speaking because uh, I think once you connect with your audience, they are actually listening to you instead of just like you know hearing you. 
No, I think, uh, you know, you make a very, uh, very valid point there indeed. And, you know, especially uh, I've got a guest uh, that, okay, he's a professor and he appears in many other medias, but his views on Ukraine and uh, being anti-Putin and anti-Russia, you know, had compromised him with especially, you know, our listenership, who uh, most of them are very often the reading between the lines. And yeah. it so happened that this poor guest of mine had been so heavily compromised and he knew exactly what my uh, viewpoints were. So what right. he told me, he reckoned, you know, uh, Shafat, we will agree to disagree, but, uh, you know, we'll always be best of friends. And then you, I, know, I know where he's coming from. But, uh, you know, the subsequent events or world events have proven that he's been absolutely wrong. How would you handle that? I mean, will you, I mean, you and I are very mature indeed. We'll just let it be. And sometimes, you know, out of being civil, we won't even bring the issue up. But, you know... You know, to be completely honest, I actually uh, have found myself in that situation so often recently. Look, since the situation in uh, Palestine, it has created a lot of, uh, like, tension within our own country, right? And uh, if I'm being completely honest, I have uh, relationships with majority of uh, the DA executive uh, with regards to, like, the shadow minister of electricity or the shadow minister of uh, safety. um, Because... I have followed the work. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm by no means a DA member, but at the end of the day, if somebody has an opinion that I agree with, it doesn't. I'm not looking at the party you come from and basing it on that. I'm looking at your opinion. And um, I had a a show. It was uh, in I think the first month of the war, and there was a. It was a segment on load shedding. It was the um, uh, shadow minister of electricity. It, she had. It had nothing to do with the. Uh, Palestine is a point. All her points were valid. She was critiquing valid things about the NC. I got messages that were so rude and so condescending. And the worst part is, like, I was called a DA puppet and uh, pushing up propaganda. But the best part is the interview directly after that was a Muslim guy from the ANC talking about how the country supports Palestine. The one after that was an influencer talking about how to beat the algorithm who is censoring our stuff. And the, the final interview was a woman who lives in the West Bank, in Palestine. So... It, it angered me because I was like, you know what, you just, people, when people um, put on this performative outrage or they want to, you know, uh, show that they are angry, it's so, it's so false to me because like, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I uh, am very confident in everything I put on air because I thoroughly research it. So if I put something on air, I'm by no means ever trying to push an agenda. Uh, maybe the only agenda I'm pushing is my agenda, but that's because I fully will stand behind it and I'm willing to support it. So, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's difficult to navigate. And you can't exactly now lash out at listeners. That's not professional. It's not how we behave. But also, when you give people too much power over what you are allowed to share, that also becomes a problem, you know? You know, Mohammed, you make a very valid point indeed. And as you said, you know, being in the field and mashallah, you've been there for some time now. You've worked with many platforms and especially being with the news field, uh, you uh, do a thorough research and you give a varied viewpoint. And as you said, you bring in the DA, you bring in the ANC or maybe you bring in action essay and so forth. But, uh, you know, you notice that the leaders of these parties uh, compromise those wonderful individuals uh, that unfortunately have to be members of the parties. 
Okay. You know, because Uncle Shivat, I'll be completely honest with you, John Stenhays, and to me, he's the biggest joke, right? The fact that they have kept that man in the position of uh, leader of the DA, it's it's like they are intentionally trying not to gain more votes. He's not likable. He's quite arrogant. He's got terrible opinions, and he just doesn't come across. And 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 the the bottom line is, no matter what, even if he was the next coming of Christ, people were never going to vote for another white man. It's too soon for South Africa to have another white president. Yet the people behind him, I'm telling you, and these are people I've known for for years, and I understand their viewpoint. And look, we are bound to disagree on things, but that is life. You can't if you want to be surrounded by people who only agree with you, then um, become extremely rich and surround yourself with yes men. That's the only way it's going to work. Um, but others, you have to learn to have. I mean, I rem- you are the perfect example. I remember you did you stood in one day on my show, and uh, you had an interview with Corbus Maria. From, from the DA, the, the Minister of Defense, and you got into a heated debate, uh, but it was such brilliant radio because you were both respectful, you were both constructive in your critiques, and you were both standing by in your opinion. And I mean, we got the most engagement we ever got on that show. But at the end of the day, if you can't have intelligent discourse without insulting somebody's character or just uh, calling them some, some sort of slur, then you just don't have enough education to open your mouth. So rather keep quiet. No, I like the way you said that. A good education is a cause for refund disposition. And then you find the armchair critics, you know, many that will sit there and they'll tell you, like there was this one brother I brought in from Action SA, and I'll share the story with you. Uh, I knew him because I brought him on the Cuff and Duffin show. And, uh, you know, before he was a politician and before he joined Action SA. So I got him as uh, someone that uh, added value to my slots, you know, in, right. in, 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 in social matters. So I subsequently became a member and then he uh, and he served the community brilliantly in Musgrave and wherever there's a problem uh, people call on him and he's very helpful indeed unfortunately his leadership once again Herban Mashaba you know having pro-Zionist uh, affiliations and sentiments and people went for him so they asked me you know they send me a message oh how much is he paying the station how much he's paying you? and then you know certain individuals and then, no, we can get, lose our cool uh, Muhammad Ayaz but you know we have to uh, bring public because we just have to bite the bullet. So I asked this individual, please phone me. So when he called me and I had an, in, in a discussion, I said, do we know each other? Have we met before? Do you know what I, and you know, eventually telling them, these are the shows we do, this is what we don't do and so forth. And eventually I sent him a few of our other shows and uh, the silence was deafening. I don't know, do you handle individuals, maybe diplomatically, but they must get to know who they're talking to, Mohammed Ayaz. Did this take a shot in the dark? What's your views? You know, um, so we have uh, on my show on, uh, in the afternoons, we have an open WhatsApp line, right? Uh, so messages are coming in constantly. But the presenter in studio is the only one who can see them. And he, I don't, I, I honestly, I, this is going to sound rude, but I don't care enough to know about everyone's opinions. But he'll send me highlights or extreme critiques, usually, right? Um I have a, I have a, I have a, a very short fuse, and that's my own issues, my anger management issues. But like, I also have very low tolerance for ignorance. So, uh, if it was up to me, if if they actually allowed me to respond, at the end of the day, I'm never going to jeopardize the reputation of the company I work for for my own opinion. So I'm never going to lash out at somebody. But there have been many times where I've been tempted, but sometimes it's just not worth it, um, because you just. Uh, you basically, you they, people uh, come with this commentary to bait you. They are trying to get under your skin and they want a reaction so they can say, see, look at them, look at how they're behaving. 
it, it's just, um, it's like I, I make these videos on TikTok and I post my pro-Palestinian stance and I'm unapologetic about it. And there's this one guy who feels the need to go on every one of my videos and comment just strings and strings of Israeli flags. I got angry a few times and uh, I got actually uh, 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 like vi violations while he, he was telling to literally go kill myself. And I responded and he was fine and I was got a strike. So now my approach is like, I just, I just tell him, you know, you do you, or I say, oh, what's that? That's, that's a nice looking design. What does it stand for? Because I don't know of anything that, that I don't know of anything legitimate. And it makes them more and more angry. So you must never give in, never show them your anger, no matter how angry you may be. I think it's the best way to get under a troll skin. Yeah, and absolutely. And Hazrat Ali is a beautiful uh, you know, anecdote. He says, anger is a fire kindled. He that lets it loose is the first one consumed by it. So we won't let the anger get uh, the better of us, and neither will let those uh, detractors get the better of us also. Moving on, uh, Mohammed Ayaz, and looking at uh, 2023, how the years have flown, uh, the different news headlines coming through. Uh, what was perhaps uh, going through this uh, year as a, you know, a news reporter or a researcher? What uh, is one of the most important stories uh, that caught your eye? Talk to me about it. I mean, sure. The, the, look, if we're talking uh... If we're talking locally, I mean, you can't have a discussion about uh, big stories this year without talking about load sharing, right? It has been a point of contention for so long. But I mean, I think, um, I don't know, at this point, I feel like the ANC uh, has become so arrogant. Uh, they, I think they feel so untouchable that they continue to, I mean, the amount of corruption stories that have come out this year or the amount of times that they've dropped the ball. And yet they seem mildly unapologetic about it. But, uh, I mean, you know, that's why this whole uh, bombshell with Jacob Zuma this past weekend, I, to me, it was the best thing that could have happened. I am really, the whole thing is very perplexing, but I can't wait to see how it plays out. I mean, internationally, like, look, um, the I have been eating, uh, breathing, and sleeping uh, Palestine news because it's just like, it is so infuriating because you I feel like uh, there's almost a collective of billions of people screaming out in outrage, and yet we've elected this handful of geriatric white men who we've given so much power. Or like I think, as a collective, we've allowed things to slide for so long that now we've come to this point where we realize we actually have no power anymore. So it's going to require a complete revolution in order to change the dynamics of this world. Because I think people keep thinking, you know, oh, what can I do? I'm just one person. Why should I bother to vote? But the problem, that is the problem. You must stop thinking about yourself as an individual. Consider yourself as a part of a collective, a collective that is exponentially larger than the elite. And when that, when that collective speaks, we see a change and we are seeing it. Because for the first time in my life, I've seen Americans waking up. And I mean, look, uh, Starbucks alone, they in in a month they've lost uh, eleven billion dollars in, in their price. They are they've closed stores all throughout the country, and it's happening to multiple other companies, and it's going to continue to happen because the the people uh, have reached a point where we just we've got nothing to lose anymore. At this point, you have made everything so expensive. You are barely paying us, so we are barely surviving. So what more can you do? Because we are already struggling. So there's nothing more you can do. Plus, they prepared us. You know, they, they locked us up in a pandemic. 
for and they actually prepared us to um you know for for boycotts and resisting this urge we we became comfortable doing without so they trained us and now we're using it against them <laughs> and they're suffering Well, uh, Mohammed, you know, I really like what you brought in because, as you said, the the ushered in the pandemic. That was, uh, you know, paranoia one, and they're still they're threatening. Them. Then they ushered in uh, Ukraine. You remember Ukraine? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that backfired big time with them. And then they ushered in uh, this, uh, you know, uh, what you call this uh, Israeli war. Uh, so-called war, the genocide that's being perpetrated. They armed Israel to the teeth. They supplied it with armaments, and they allowed uh, themselves to sin against the intelligence by even uh, exposing themselves at the voting at the UN. You know, 90% of uh, the Westerners, as you said, uh, these uh, whiteies uh, voting uh, racist, you know, apartheid, um, what do you call these uh, people that perpetrate genocides or the col- uh, colonizers? And this is... The worst part is that Israel, with its multi-million dollar, um, multi-billion dollar budget, doesn't even put any effort into their propaganda. I mean, literally, Israel can release something now, and in five minutes, anybody with half a brain can debunk it, because it's just so lackluster. Um, I think when you've got a bunch of late 70s, 80-year-olds leading, they think what worked in the 60s and 70s when there was a lot less access to information, um, there was a lot more time in between receiving information, it was easier to manipulate a population and to create a narrative which people would have to believe because they had no other options. But now we get information in real time. I have two friends who are in Gaza who are journalists who I've known for years, and they send me real time footage of what is happening they will send me like and there's no way to blur the narrative because you can't you can't trust anybody more than the person who's lived who's lived experience is telling you you know what i'm saying so and it's it's remarkable to see that uh i i mean i've never in my life watched uh marches and protests where white american woman was screaming allahu akbar like i mean I never thought I'd see the day, but it's happening. And as I said, it's happening, and Islam is the fastest growing religion. We always say that, and Allah uses these you know, events too to get the deen uh, fold. You know, you talk about uh, propaganda and the masters of propaganda. I mean, I was watching the other day. I mean, there's some there's a Hamas attacks Israeli warplanes. Guess what, Muhammad Karim? I mean, I'm although I'm an old Bali, but I know my Xbox and I know the types of games you can play. And the guy was actually playing uh, these games. You know, these war games. Right. And he has a, you know, and he's telling you that there's Hamas shooting down, and I could see the graphics were ex- exactly, uh, you know, uh, uh, PC games or Xbox games that are being you played. See, that's what I mean, they don't put any effort in. Like, what are you using? They don't. They don't even. They, they think. Um, I don't understand uh, how these people still uh, think that we are stupid enough to because nobody falls for it. There's literally nobody who America and um Israel have lost any sense of legitimacy that they may have bought or like um lorded over in the past. But but at this point they are uh Netanyahu is uh, a narcissistic maniac who is allowing his greed and his um power, thirst for power to literally stop the entire world. At this point the ramifications have gone so far that it is impacting every single person in this world. And 
I don't know how long, how much more, uh, how much longer uh, that geriatric uh, um, Biden is going to allow it to continue. I mean, at this point, America should have cut their losses and assassinated this man because he's not serving their purpose. Their purpose. Yeah. Well, you know, I tell you, there, there, there's another big factor is uh, the you know Christian Zionist churches that are back uh, the you know Israeli and they actually believe in the Armageddon and the coming of the next uh, Messiah and so forth. So what they do, they actually uh, uh, you you find that Netanyahu, Netanyahu actually quotes verses from the Bible, playing yeah. up to the Christians. But what the Christians they don't realize that these are, I mean, they haven't accepted their Lord and uh, Savior Jesus Christ, yeah. and uh, accordingly, and they're Christ killers happen to be these individuals, uh, but there are the, some uh, Christians that are coming to the fore, uh, getting conscientized, and you know a lot of young young people are questioning uh, what's going on. And as you said, you know the motherhood and the empathy, the sympathy that uh, women folk had, and to see 10,000, 11, 12, 12,000 children being massacred and uh, struck a chord in the, these individuals. But uh, maybe we can move on and talk about a, another country which has captured propaganda and which has become the masters of propaganda. Guess which country that is, Mama uh, Dayaza, give you. Take, 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 take a guess. Who I you mean, masters of propaganda. Yes, I feel like yeah. ninety percent of Europe and uh, uh, North Korea and like most of the oh, world. Me, at that point, wait, wait, well, wait! I'm gonna jump in here. I'm gonna jump in. They're known for. They say, "Hey, Bollywood." This Bollywood, the Indians today have oh. taken over. They've become the number one masters in propaganda. And you look at the level of propaganda that they are spewing out. It's only hatred, hatred, and more hatred, and this unholy alliance that they have with who? With Uncle with Sam and with Israel. And you could see them. And you must see the uh, anti-propaganda uh, religious uh, material that's coming out. But Muhammad Ayah, the tragedy of the whole thing is no one keeps an eye on them. We don't have a Muslim media watch keeping an eye on all this propaganda. So I and I don't covered think... the story. I covered the story um, last week on my show. And... Uh, because when somebody sent me this uh, an article and I was like, how is nobody talking about this? So I, I had the guy on the show. But I, I'm, I will send you the podcast. He was so compelling. But honestly, uh, people are not realizing that we are on the brink of uh, Muslim genocide in India. Um, and we're going to end up in a situation where we're going to have the same ethnic cleansing and then it's going to be too late. Uh, it's, it, it, it's that severe. But um, it is, it, it's fallen to the wayside because once again, it's brown people. And I mean, the, 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 this, the ruling party in India, this Hindu, what, uh, this Modi, it's possibly the most uh, discriminatory uh, like government I've ever seen. And they are unabashedly and unashamedly um, proud of their hatred for Muslims. So you must remember, I mean, India has the largest Muslim population in the world. That, that is a, that is something that should be really concerning. Yeah, you know, someone asked me the question uh, many years ago, and once I was talking to him on air, and he 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 told me, Shafat, have you ever wondered why, when the Mughals ruled India for nine hundred or seven or eight hundred years, why hasn't the whole of India become Muslim? Did we miss a beat there? Then he talks about uh, Egypt. When you look at Egypt. 10% of the population is still Christian, Coptic Christian. Did we miss a beat there? And, uh, you know, these are very valid questions that are put forward. Uh, how would you respond to a thing like that, uh, Mohammed Ayaz? 
remember, like, um, even at the time of the Ottoman Empire, Islam was not um, Islam was not forced upon uh, the captives or like the 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 you pay. I can't remember the Islamic term, but you had to pay a certain tax, and you could still continue living as a Christian or a Jew, but you were a second-class citizen of society, basically. But um, as, look, uh, Islam ruled the world for a long period, but we were never to a point of tyranny that we have seen in other parts of the world. And I think um, that is the reason why they still exist, but I don't think that forcing somebody to accept the religion that they don't want to is would also have been the right way to go. Do you know what I'm saying? But also we can't, I mean, we can't really, we don't know what the, the, the wisdom of uh, the day was and what the thought process was or how it actually played out. But I mean, it shouldn't be, I, I still think the, the, the fact that we talk about this world that we want a diversity and acceptance and equality, yet this entire situation in the Middle East is all about an ethno-theocratic state, which is possibly the most discriminatory thing. Why is it that a certain group of a certain religion, of a certain distinction, is allowed their own place? That is the one thing that the entire world is actively trying to get rid of. And yet, the entire Western world is supporting these people's right to have their own ethno-theocratic state, which goes against everything that these liberals preach. So it's so... Um, it's so contradictory to their uh, to their own uh, beliefs that it just shows you that it the 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 orders are coming from higher up higher up than any of us can see because at the end of the day it is still that 0.1 percent these uh, elite Rothschild bankers who are running the world and they have for the last thousand years just like how the president of South Africa has always been Johann Rupert, and it's still Johann Rupert, and whoever gets elected next year is still going to be Johann Rupert. Because I'm telling you, white monopoly capital still rules South Africa, and you can call me a conspiracy theorist or crazy, but the, you know the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, and absolutely, about the, those uh, population not uh, all being 100%. And it pays into our theory, you know, Lacey O'Leary in 1918, he wrote a, uh, you know, he wrote a book and he says, uh, the most fantastically absurd myth is that Islam was spread by the sword. He said, look at, uh, you know, Malaysia, the businessmen did the job. I mean, if it was spread by the sword, then the whole of India would have been Muslim today. The whole of Egypt would have been Muslim today. So there's a theory there to tell them, no, it wasn't spread by the sword. Uh, you know, if Allah wills the person's heart to become a Muslim, and they became a Muslim. The Crusades and the amount of slaughter and murder that was committed on uh, uh, on behalf of Christianity is the, so... The Crusaders, yes. It's so much more barbaric and savage. So you can't, if you want to point a finger, you must be willing to um, then accept what what was done in the name of your religion as well. Because it's very easy. You, don't, you know what? This, this finger pointing is pointless because at the end of the day, even the slavery argument, look, there have been Arabs, uh, lots of Arabs, there were slaves in Africa. There were slaves at every point of the world. It was how the the, 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 the system of the world was... Slavery was an accepted thing at that point. We can't now keep trying to rehash history from 200 years ago when we have um, injustice occurring in front of our eyes and not trying to address this problem, but we want to hold somebody's great-grandfather accountable for uh, enslaving your great-grandmother. You know what I'm saying? It's like, where's the sense? Make it make sense. Just like how Zuma, um, uh, Ramaphosa launched um, a fund last week. It made me so angry. He launched 
the presidential um, PhD initiative. He funded it with a billion rand, and it is to fund PhD students in South Africa and send them to um, Harvard and um, Yale and Princeton, whatever it may be. And I'm thinking to myself, how tone deaf is this? This man uh, is ahead of a country that has power half the time, that only half the drinking water is actually um, acceptable to be drunk, and yet he's got a billion rand to fund bursaries for Harvard and Yale. Does it make sense? It doesn't. You worry, he's worried about the future of our country and the education, but he's clearly not worried about the now. So how are we going to get to that future if we are about to go extinct in the now? <laughs> it's just, yeah. No, yeah, uh, that's a valid point indeed, and uh, you know, uh, maybe serving the uh, the agenda of his masters because you must know he's been captured already. He was a unionist, uh, became a, a millionaire, a multi-millionaire. You know why? He's a billionaire. Billionaire because of uh, being, uh, you know, part of the uh, influencers. You know, they call them the influencers. The uh, bottom line is these are the influencers. I mean, uh, the other day someone uh, told me, uh, a Hindu guy actually told me, he says, you know, I'm amazed at you Muslims. I said, why? He said, I'm looking at what's happening in Palestine and uh, you Muslims are doing nothing about it. You're allowing uh, young children, the men, women and children to uh, being massacred. What about Saudi Arabia? What about Turkey? What about, uh, uh, you know, all these big countries you have malaysia pakistan you're doing nothing about it and you know i had to give him a lesson about uh, you know who the munafikins are and what it's all about and it's all about the money and it's sad indeed uh, that the people are observing us and seeing how fragmented and how disunited we are muhammad ayaz look um, i was never under any illusion that the saudi um, government would ever do anything i mean they have shown their true colors for decades now um and Mohammed bin Salman, look, I can't lie. He, uh, initially, I was quite um, impressed by him. I said, okay, this guy can do something different. But when he decided to choose profits over life, especially when he is head of the House of Saud, the richest family in the world, they have apparently worth trillions. The fact that um, you have such a, an addiction and such a greed for money that you could never spend in 500 lifetimes and you just want more and more, um, and you would choose that over life, is just absurd to me. But this man's agenda is clear. He's trying to, and, and, it's, and it's, I think it's uh, become a common thing among, amongst all these progressive uh, Arab leaders like UAE and Saudi. They are trying to make the Middle East the new Europe. They, it always comes back to aspiring to be the white man. I don't know what it is about the white man that he really has brainwashed um, the entire global population to aspire to be like him. Yet, um, and that's, that's exactly what um, Saudi is doing. They are emulating um, uh, Europe at its peak. I mean, it's absurd. If you go online and you search for videos, you will see concerts and you will see the geotag and it'll be Riyadh. Concerts, big, huge stadium performances. And on the exact same day in London, in Washington, you have got... Hundreds of thousands of Christian, white, Jews, Hindus um, screaming free, free Palestine on the same day, whereas the Muslim country has a, a rapper and they have a concert. You know, that hmm. level of uh, cognitive dissonance, it, it, it's really scary. Like we are aspiring to be something below us. And yet those people are waking up and realizing that we are the right way. They're coming towards us. And yet we're like, no, 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 no. But now we're finally getting to you. Stay where you are, you know. Like, where's this, uh, you know, if only.
Yeah, I can add to that. Whatever the West has spewed out, we are lapping. We we are actually taking in the spew. You know what they're spewing out? As you said, you find Western nations, the, the Europeans are marching for Palestine. Free, free Palestine. Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. Well, Muhammad Ayas, I tell you, you flowed brilliantly this evening. Perhaps your parting words before I let you go. We didn't even get into one of our topics of discussion, Angus. But you know, this was actually really, uh, this was really, I actually really enjoyed this. You know, uh, I think when I speak to you, I get the opportunity to maybe vent. Sometimes maybe I go too far, but like I, like I said, I will always stand behind what I say because I truly, I feel it's my full conviction. So if you have a problem with it, that's fine. I can accept that, but I can tell you why you're wrong. So come for me. It's okay. <laughs> no, but actually, you know, you and I had a very uh, healthy discussion, and uh, I mean, we agreed on uh, nearly everything. Yeah, I mean, there was not one. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we, I mean, yeah, we are on the same page. But I'm saying, you know, there are people out there, with, and like I said, it, it, it's important to have intelligent, uh, civilized discourse with somebody who disagrees with you, so that maybe somebody will make a point that will change your mind. But if you approach it with a closed mind, then you will never allow yourself to learn something that maybe you didn't know that is uh, swaying your opinion in the wrong direction. So I think, yeah, it's important to just give everybody a chance with regards to their opinion and hear them out. And um, once you've heard them out and they're talking absolute nonsense, you can tell them why and, and back it up. And hopefully they will listen to you. And if not, you know what? You can't save everyone. At the end of the day, we can't keep trying to save everyone. Those who are mm. still up till to this day willing to accept the, the reality of what we are seeing, uh, those people are just uh, write-offs. Just write them off. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as you said, uh, the discussion is there, and especially being on an Islamic platform. And, you know, someone goes, hey, why makes a, you know, a, a, a statement that is contrary to the uh, deen and uh, against Sharia. Uh, I mean, I, I don't pull back. I give them the Islamic viewpoints and I say, this is where our religion, you know, uh, cuts a line here. And this is how we, and I make sure the individual, otherwise, you know, the listeners themselves will say, ah, Muhammad Ayaz. But you, that yeah. man said this thing, you know, we, our dean, we're not for, for it. Why didn't you correct him? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing to allow, you know, especially when you're on the straight and narrow. Uh, it's an, unlike the other platforms where, you know, the the, the interviewer or the uh, whatever program you do, uh, you're allowed to do whatever you like to. But now when you on an Islamic media or an Islamic platform, you're on the straight and narrow, Muhammad Ayaz. Yeah. No, look, I mean, you know, I actually only work for Islamic media at this point. So uh, I am very like, there, there, there's certain lines that you don't cross, but there are certain things that should be open for discussion. Um, and I think because the West has been so successful in painting this uh, image or this uh, representation of what is considered uh, the Muslim man, this barbaric, violent, uncouth, aggressive, dominant looks out it, it, it's, a, it's a, a caricature that has been created and that is perpetuated up till today where 99% of the time it is not the case um, but that you know it's like those stereotypes you know, those generalizations that stick around for forever and it take, takes a lot of time to change those uh, opinions but I think uh, we are finally breaking through that those stereotypes because now uh, with the amount of uh, 
proof and evidence that's in your face. It's undeniable. So these people who always believed this their whole life because they were just told it are now questioning what they were taught and what they were told and saying, look, you lied to us. They, um, Americans are outraged with their government. They're like, you've been lying to us. You've always lied to us. Jews are saying, you know, I grew up as a Zionist and it was all uh, indoctrination. I was forced, I was shamed for not being proud of colonizing Palestinians. But I can't, my, my humanity will not allow me to accept it. I think when people start thinking critically and start basing their judgments on their own logic, then we will see some shift. And that's what I think we are seeing right now. No, absolutely, Mohammed Ayaza. Brilliant, as I said, being in your company. I look forward to having a more fruitful uh, conversations uh, with you. And perhaps I'll, I'll let you have uh, the final words. What's your parting words uh, this evening? Well, I think I spoke way too much, but no, just exactly so much. I'm actually looking forward to this. Let's do this again soon. There's a lot to talk about, and uh, yeah, I think it's. I think we have a responsibility. We with the platforms that we have, it is our responsibility to actually educate people, even those who are trying their hardest to ignore what's going on and blocking their ears and want to remain in their bubble, it is our responsibility to try and educate them. Uh, so yeah, we just need to keep talking and talking louder. <laughs> No, absolutely. Talking and uh, being bold and being uh, concise and being precise. Uh, you have a mashallah, beautiful evening ahead, uh, Muhammad Ayaz Karim, who, as I said, uh, you know, brilliant uh, producer, a brilliant, uh, brilliant uh, a young man who keeps uh, everything ticking. Yeah, not tick-tocking, but ticking in the right direction. Muhammad Ayaz Karim, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Talk to you soon. Wa alaikum salam. Speak to you soon, Akashawat. Inshallah. Time for us to go for our break and inshallah we will continue with the Wasai Lela Mesadika.